Welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of No More Mondays podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Angie Callen. Are you drinking some water over there? If you carry a reusable bottle around with you, there's a good chance... It's a fancy dancy hydro flask. And guess what? We have got the guy who invented it on today's show. Travis Rossbach may be the founder of a very popular portable drinking vessel. However, he's a whole lot more. From a dive master to a commercial pilot, yes, that would be Captain Rossbach to you, Yogi Reiki Master, a member of the Explorers Club, a fellow at the Royal Geographical Society, the list goes on. He's got his hands in a lot of things. We're going to learn a little bit about his founder's journey, but more about how that springboarded him into advising and coaching entrepreneurs. And maybe this entrepreneur will even get a few tips. So I hope you will all help me welcome to the show, Travis Rossbach. Travis, welcome to No More Mondays. No, thank you, Angie, for having me. That was a heck of an intro. Hey, thanks. I'm kind of known for that. You know, I I write resumes, so I feel like I have to like take that and carry it over into, into intros. Well, next time I need a CV, I'll call you. That's good to know. Okay, cool. Deal. That sounds like a deal. Um, I feel like your experience may speak for itself. However, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about hydroflasks. So, you know, we live in the dry ass mountains of Colorado where everybody carries around a water bottle all the time. So I'm curious, just as a, a foundation of, of your entrepreneurial journey and success, how did you even get into that space? Product development isn't, you know, isn't always easy. Talk to us a little bit about Hydroflask, and then we're going to talk about how it springboarded you into other things. Yeah, well, so I guess backing up a bit, when I was, I started college to become an airline pilot. And so in, in, in school, in college, I worked during the day at a, at a, rock climbing store called Red Point Climber Supply in Terrebonne, Oregon. And also we had one in Bend. So I was I was accustomed to drinking out of plastic reusable water bottles back in the late, late 90s and early, early 2000s. And so I, I just I loved not having to reuse a, um, the plastic one time single use water bottles. So fast forward, I had a a sign company in Oahu, Oahu Signs and Screen Printing, and I was thirsty. I was just, I was out running errands and I got thirsty. So I saw a sporting goods store and I pull into the parking lot and I go in, I'm like, I need a plastic water bottle. And and I I say plastic because I don't want to say the name of the company too often, but I, I say the brand name and they're like, uh, yeah, well, about that. It may start with an N. It does. It may very well start with an N. And none of the employees wanted to show me that aisle. And finally, one of them's like, okay, fine, come on, I'll show them. And so we go to the aisle and the entire wall was completely empty. There was like three bottles on it. I was like, whoa, what happened? Like, 
there was a run on water bottles last night, huh? He goes, nah, the owner's French. She just got back from Europe. There's some article she read. Her dad's a doctor. Whole long story short, we don't know what this stuff is called, but it's in plastic and it's not supposed to be good for us. So she just made us pull all these water bottles off the shelf and I don't know what we're going to do with them. I said, well, who's going to fill back up that shelf? And he said, nobody, there's nobody else. And it hit me, Angie, right in the back of my head on the right side here, and it came out my mouth, I will. I will do that. And the guy just started laughing. But at the here's my big word. I'm only going to use one quarter word today, one 25 cent word. It's juxtaposition. And I probably screwed it all up. Oh, it's such at a good At that word. juxtaposition right there where I said, I will do that. And he said, ha ha. I saw the future. I saw myself standing on stage talking about this highly successful water bottle company in the future. And I was like, huh, gosh, I don't know what happened just now, but I guess I'm doing a water bottle company. So I started Hydroflask. When, uh, when inspiration smacks you in the face that hard, you damn well better listen. <laughs> it almost knocked me over. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I have no other choice. And then every time I would think, Oh, good. Maybe I don't have to do a water bottle company. I don't know anything about product design or engineering or any of that, bringing products to the market. I know about printing and advertising, and I know that world, but I don't know about product world. And every time it would start to get hard, like some unseen force would just come in and be like, no, man, you're seriously doing the water bottles now. And I ended up just seriously doing the water bottles. So from a practical perspective, how did you navigate that skill and knowledge gap? Like you said, you didn't know you didn't know about product development, R&D or go to market or any of that stuff. How did how did you overcome that? I didn't know what I didn't know what I didn't know. I I just I knew that everything was getting made in China in 2007. And China was the place to go. And I tried to go with this guy who does field trips to the Canton Fair where you go and you meet a factory. And I was like, hey, I want to go do a, a water bottle. Can I come with you on a field trip to the Canton Fair to China? He's like, no, that's stupid. Nobody wants water bottles. I'm not taking you with me. There's no water bottle factories. You can't come. I was like, I'll pay you, you know? And he's like, no, I don't want your money. It's, it's, not, it's, no, it's no good here because there's no such thing. And so I sold my, I sold my moped and I sold my longboard and I sold my girlfriend's moped and I showed up in Shanghai to a place that over fax told me that they were willing to do an insulated metal water bottle. And I show up and I walk in, it's not easy to get to China and find a building in downtown Shanghai in 2008. But I show up, I find him, I go in, I find the guy whose name is on the bottom of the fax. I'm like, hey, it's me. I'm Travis. I'm here to do the water bottles. Insulated double wall, right? He's like, nah, we just do plastic. I'm like, oh, come on. And so it, it was just a series of, gosh darn it. And then, holy cow, that was awesome. Right back to back to back to back for years. I'm, I'm sitting over here laughing because you any 25-year-old out there is going, wait, huh? facts and like you couldn't go to google maps and on your phone and say where is the water bottle guy in shanghai at this time so and the reason i bring that up is also i'm, I'm laughing at how, there was a fair amount of commitment and conviction here you sold some stuff you sold some of your girlfriend's stuff you know like you're like I'm almost all in and wouldn't take no for an answer 
I saw the future and the future had me talking about water bottles. And so I was like, well, you can't argue with the future. I mean, that's, that's gotta be real. So what was the turning point or the magic moment that, that things actually came together and that whole kind of like two steps back, one step forward, two steps back actually got you into an R and D phase and, and actually making this start to look like it was going to be reality. Well, in Shanghai, I was, I got like, especially back then when I was younger, when I was in my late twenties or mid twenties, I had a little bit more of a temper and I got pissed. I mean, I spent all my money. I spent, I, I was like, I'm on the far side of the world here. And it says Mike on the paper and three lines up. It says, yes, we can do that. I'm standing here with Mike and Mike's now saying, no, dang it, Mike, what are we going to do here? So I, I start to leave and some guy comes up and grabs my arm. And he's like, hey, man, I got a cousin down in Hanjo who might be able to help you. I was like, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds like I'm, I'm going to do that. So he writes two things on two pieces of paper. One's to get to the train station, one's to get to Hanjo. And I end up in Hanjo. And it's not a language you read, I'm assuming. <sighs> no, <laughs> no, I, I can barely get through the English language. Don't push me on anything else because there's no, yeah, there's no knowledge of that. So I, I end up in Hanjo and then I realize, oh man, I don't know what to do once I get to Hanjo. And the train station had like 4 million people, like easily, seriously. There was 4 million people at the train station. And I'm going, oh shoot, I have no place to stay. I don't have much money left. I don't know who I'm looking for. I don't know what I'm doing. Luckily, I was one of the, if not the only white guy in the entire place. And this woman came up and she's like, you must be Travis. I'm like, I sure am. Are you Natalie? And she says, yep, it was it was hit the guy's cousin's wife. And she's like, all right, let's go build some water bottles. I'm like, OK, cool. And so her and her husband, Michael, and I, we spent the next, I mean, really three years building machines to build machines to build machines to build a bottle or a cap and mixing plastics and mixing metals and just experimenting with, you know, all of these little things that go into building a water bottle, which I found extremely interesting. You know, it was, it was fascinating. And if I, if I remember correctly, it, tell me if I'm wrong, Hydroflask was the first kind of non-plastic, that metal, you, you, you kind of disrupted and created a whole new line of products. It wasn't even just a new brand, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no, we were, so... My grandpa has, and I, and I actually have it here, but my grandpa had an old Stanley thermos that was metal with glass on the inside. And it was double wall, I believe vacuum insulated, or at least it was at one time. But it weighed 800 pounds. You drop it on your foot, you're breaking your leg. And it stunk, it was nasty, and it just was cumbersome. It wasn't ergonomically correct. And so I had this kind of like vision dream of having a double wall stainless steel and not. And, and I also had a tumbler that was metal on the outside and plastic on the inside. And it, it kind of kept my ice a little bit colder longer or my warm drinks a little bit longer. But then when the plastic thing was ex nay, that was no good. So I, I was like, well, I don't want to do glass. I don't want to do plastic. What if we did another layer of metal? And, and Michael was like, yeah, sure. Let's just do that. 
And so we go to the vacuum factory. At that time, there were only like two. We go to the first one. And they're like, yeah, no, we're not going to work on American water bottles. That That's not worth it. And the second one said the same thing. They're like, nah, we're not, we're not in the water bottle factory business. We just have the vacuum. And so we actually made the first couple prototypes, Michael and I and, and a bunch of factories around the uh, Yunkong, Jinhua area of China. And we got them and we go and we're like, hey, I'll pay a hundred bucks if you'll just put this on the vacuum. And they're like, okay, fine. And so they put it in the vacuum. 24 hours later, we get it back and by golly, it worked. It was like, ah, okay, cool. Well, now that we made one, can we make a few more? And, and they did. They're like, all right, we'll make you 3,000, but that's it because nobody's going to buy them. It's like, done. And how fast were they gone? Uh, how fast? I would say probably about a month, realistically, it took. We, we really just had to pick up our first sales rep. And as soon as we had picked up our first sales rep, it was off to the races. Because again, like you said, it was the first. Nobody had seen this before. It was a technology that that didn't exist, but it was practical. People started drinking water. They started feeling better. They were healthier and just physically more vibrant and just cognitively functioning better. And then they became addicted to drinking water via these metal water bottles. It, that's a terrible, terrible trend to start, Travis. But, <laughs> but I mean, like who knew, who knew that there would be and this is, I think, is is almost integral to just who you are with wanting to have kind of impact. Yeah, it started with like, we need a better water bottle, but then look what it ended up doing. It made people kind of healthier and yeah. it innovated in a space that now, you know, those things that we all carry around that start with a Y that keep our drinks hotter. It like, this is the technology that started that whole product evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. I spent months and months and months and months in those factories. And it was the blind leading the blind. It was just that blind guy knew how to use a welder and I didn't. So I'd just be like, hey, could you do this? And he'd be like, no. I'm like, just try it. And he'd do it. And he'd be like, well, fine, we can do it. But it doesn't mean we're going to. Sure enough, now all the water bottles are made that way. Again, don't take no for an answer. And, and so I'm curious now you and your growth through this. So obviously you picked up tons of practical knowledge about how to vacuum seal a double walled stainless steel steel bottle. But I'm curious from your own like personal professional development, you know, how you, you mentioned in kind of your bio that this helped you build certain skills and professionalism. I would love to, for you to tell us how you grew more through this as a, a person and a professional. Oh, tremendously. I, I grew a lot. I had had, um, I'd had employees before. We'd had multiple companies. My girlfriend at the time, we'd had a sign company and a fence company, and we'd, we'd, we'd kind of experimented in different industries. And so I'd had a lot of it, uh, employees and I'd had multiple businesses before, but Hydroflask was, it was an international thing. You know, it wasn't like I'm going down to the local Rotary Club and trying to, you know, sell my services or my product. This was, I'm going to Korea, I'm going to England, I'm going to Germany, I'm trying to sell my, I'm I'm hawking my wares all around the planet. And so I, I had to quickly learn, like, how to do business without getting cease and desists, but also doing guerrilla marketing without much money. 
you know, it's like, cause you don't want to get sued. Cause there was a lot of cash that goes into getting sued, but how do you, how do you push the envelope right up before you get that cease and desist? Um, and then I just learned about like just basic like finances and you know, it, the, the water bottles back then cost, I think like $5 and 50 cents to manufacture and, and to land. And, and now they're still about the same, except for the cola shaped bottles that were like $3 and she's made billions good for her, uh, that other brand. But like it, it, it becomes really expensive when you start selling 40,000 a month and 80,000 a month. Like how do you get enough money to just buy bottles and typically we'd have to buy them like four or five months. We'd have to pay for them four or five months before we actually received the money back. By the time they ship and then they get warehoused and then they get laser engraved and then they get shipped again and then they get sold and then the net 30 and then finally get money. Like I, I learned really quickly that it, it, it actually kind of does take money to make money. And, and you have to have big money if you're going to do big things. Two words, cash flow. Yeah. Well, and then, and then what do you need when you have more product and more sales? You need more people. So what do you need when you have more people? You need more money. And so it, you know, it's typically the owner that takes the, the biggest hit, you know, and that, that suffers the most. And so it, there was a lot of suffering for a lot of years for me personally, just to make sure that we had the bottles and we had the employees and we had heat and we had air conditioning and we had food but um, yeah, I learned I learned a tremendous amount about um, you know corporate espionage and and you know theft and how people can steal and how employees can screw you over and, and and a lot of good too. I learned a lot of beautiful stories about marriages that stayed together because they both felt better and the husband's performing better and the wife's losing weight. And I heard all of these hundreds and thousands of stories that just like they would give me. It was my fodder to keep me going, my fuel, my energy to keep me going in this, this, this world of water bottles. It seems like such a trivial thing, water bottles. But when you, can, when you can grasp onto that bigger kind of like why or the purpose or the impact that you're having, I think it, it makes it not necessarily easier, but you can have a stronger commitment to pushing through all of that uh, kind of hard stuff. And that in and of itself is a is a great lesson and a and a, do we use the kitschy term amount of grit to to have because now as you go forward in your entrepreneurial endeavors everything's going to seem a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So speaking of, what are you up to now? I know you've got the Tomalo group. Mm-hmm. And so tell us a little bit more about where this this whole road has led you, led you and what you're doing today. Well, I'm I'm still doing a number of things. I get I get kind of bored easily if I'm not kind of pushing the envelope, but now I have a child, so I don't ride motorcycles or fly airplanes and, and, and jets anymore, but I, I got chainsaws and I started cutting trees. <laughs> I've got a bunch of trees on my property that are a non-native species of juniper, and so they need to go because they suck up the, all the water and, you know, a whole, whole long story with that. But I'm also doing, yeah, the Tumalo group, and I'm, I'm kind of rebranding it into the Rossback group. And I'm helping American businesses do business more and more in America. I, I help, I have a really good Rolodex for Chinese factories. And so I, I've been doing that predominantly for the last, I don't know, five, 10 years, helping people get products made overseas. 
and, and walking them through that whole process. And we still do that because sometimes it's still just better and easier and maybe not easier, but it's the only way we can get stuff made is we have to go overseas. But if we can, we're bringing it back home to America and American manufacturing. So I help startups and, and I also help other businesses that have been working with other international factories to rehome and come back and how it's actually kind of difficult to find American factories and it's hard to work with some of these good old boys that are just stuck in their way and it's I, it gets frustrating. But when I do find a diamond in the rough, it's like, oh yeah, let's just run with that factory. And that's like, it's just really cool to find those sweet spots. Because it's not always about, I know there's that whole like, you know, don't outsource manufacturing, don't outsource manufacturing. But from a practical perspective, like you said, it we can't find all of the manufacturing we need in the U.S. necessarily, or it takes a certain amount of legwork to, to do it. So I think it's awesome to have that kind of central, be that central resource to people trying to kind of bring it back to domestic. We, we can't, there's a lot of things we just cannot and do not, and, and more than likely will not be making in America in the foreseeable future. We have EPA, we have certain administrations, we have lack of funding, we have lack of employees, we have this whole new generation that some of them don't even really want to work. Um, there's a multitude of factors that just make it um, unrealistic to manufacture in the United States. And so what do we do? Well, we either go without, and that's an option, or we go to reputable factories that are paying their employees a very decent livable wage. And it's not a scary place that sometimes the media likes to portray. And we always like to have a bad guy. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we see on the mainstream media that the, the Chinese factories are the bad guys sometimes. And right now we have another country that, oh, they're the bad, scary, bad guy. Well, okay. We got plenty of bad guys at home too, but I feel like that's a different sure. podcast, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> so just out of, like out of curiosity from a very simple kind of entrepreneurial branding piece, uh, why the shift from uh, the Tamalo group to Rossback, the Rossback group? Yeah, I've been, I've been asking myself that too. And a lot of people have been asking me. I think it goes back to, to two main things. One is the Tumalo group was was predominantly manufacturing things in China. And um, and I know it's just a name and, and it, that's that, but I also, um, I, I get bored after about four or five years. <laughs> and so it's like, I needed a challenge in my life, I guess. And for some reason I decided to do a rebrand and redo the website and redo all of the material and marketing and copy and Pantones and branding and oh my goodness, I guess I'm just, it's almost like I'm just a glutton for punishment. Because why not, right? It's yeah. funny. We so Career Benders, my company has been. We just had our five year anniversary, and I have that same kind of like. Do we call it itchy trigger finger? Not that we're gonna like completely rename or rebrand, but I'm like, we need a brand refresh because I think it's that same kind of entrepreneurial spirit that it's like, okay, like I've done this for a while, and now I gotta like you know get some different sensory activity happening mm -hmm. here and just change it up. Yeah. Yeah. Just add a little new pizzazz or just like recirculate the blood a little bit and just get it flowing differently and more. And, 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 and again, differently with new ideas coming from it. 
I'm also getting to the point where I'm getting really frustrated with the water bottle market and the, the technology on the shelves all is about the same. There's just so many knockoffs doing the exact same thing. And I kind of want to shake that up. And so <laughs> I'm kind of quietly working on a, another water bottle project that I think, you know, people are like, oh, it's a flooded market, no pun intended, but oh, there's just a thousand of them. There's no way you can make money. I'm like, I like that challenge. I like that bet. Because now, because before I was the first, now I'm like the 900 millionth. Okay, well, let's see if I can go from 900 million to number one again. Like, what if I could just go knock Hydro Flask out? And, and a part of me kind of wants to also, just for the heck of it. I always say the easiest way for me to, like, if you want me to accomplish a goal, you tell me I can't do something. Yeah. Which I think is exactly what you're facing, right? Before you got to pioneer, now you get to go disrupt. Yeah, exactly. I think now it's going to be a lot harder than than being the first. And so I, I really enjoyed the idea of that challenge. Out of curiosity, uh, was was the Hydroflask technology a, a patented? Did you go through that process? Um, so the vacuuming t- technology, those patents had expired and or they were just NA for us. Um, the, the patents that we got were that I got were um, design patents. So they were for sizes and shapes and things like that. Ah, which is why there's 9,999 competitors now, right? Yeah. Um, But then again, hey, let's see what Travis does. Y'all just got a little teaser from uh, Travis and some potentially, some potential new uh, product developments. Uh, We would be happy to be test market, Travis, just so you know. Oh, for sure. Oh, I'll send you some. I'll send you some for real. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You guys got some coming. As soon as they hit, I'll, I'll get you some. We like we like prototypes. Uh, let's take a turn because you you also are mountain folk. <laughs> yeah, I just shaved my beard last week, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I saw all your pictures. I was like, yeah, you've got like, you know, the good old Colorado beard. It's so funny when I have East Coast East Coast men that are like, should I shave my beard for this interview? I'm like, I am the wrong person to ask because everybody here has a beard. <laughs> if, if a man's asking to shave his beard to come on a podcast... That's an East Coaster. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's an East Coaster. Uh, but I know that, you know, I'm a big fan of kind of like, you know, we do a lot of outdoor adventuring to kind of keep you ra- well-rounded, try new things. Um, I know you're a big fan of the environment and that's where a lot of your kind of like social impact and, and side work goes. And you've got some causes you, you support. Uh, tell me a little bit about some of, some of that stuff. The, the Royal Geographical Society. I know you're an Explorers Club. Like, how do you get out and adventure? Yeah, I well, so I kind of live. I, I live a bit remote. I'm I'm outside of town, and I've got a fair bit of property that I just kind of alienate myself and isolate myself, and um, doing some logging, as I mentioned, and and some homesteading, and and I've got four massive dogs, and um, building stuff and. So I'm not traveling as much as I used to. I, I have a child now. I've got a daughter. And so that takes up a, a tremendous amount of time, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> and it's all good time. But finding ways for her and I to get out into the world and out into the out back and out into the you know big cities and, and just kind of exploring. And, and, and I'm, I'm still exploring life. 
but I'm seeing it now more through her eyes than just mine. And um, it's it's a lot of fun because I'm going back to places I've traveled before, but with a you know with a seven year a six year old, it's like it, it's a whole nother lens. It's a whole nother filter to see life through. So that's that's kind of what I'm doing. And then yeah, the Royal Geographical Society. That's so cool. They're like, you want to be a fellow? Like, well, that sounds pretty fancy. I always wanted to be um, knighted. I always thought that when I met the queen, I'd like save her life. Um, That didn't happen. I met her and it was like fairly uneventful. I mean, we just chatted. There was no death threat. And so I didn't get knighted. So like the next best thing I thought would be, well, fellow at the Royal Geographical Society is pretty cool. And then the Explorers Club here in the States, they're based out of New York um, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, they're doing all kinds of really neat expeditions all over the place. And, and it's going to be interesting in the next few years to see um, as, as we learn more and more about this, this place where we live and what the truth is about the boundaries and the limitations that we have. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think we live in a great time and, and we've got a lot of neat stuff coming ahead. I think it's going to get harder before it gets easier. But uh, I think if we can stick it out and, and hang in there, we're, we're in for really good times coming. I think you're right. It's uh, it, I 100% agree that there's definitely some challenges and some, some things that make you go, hmm, happening. But if you also think about all of the potential that we have, if we take the right approach mm-hmm. and steward what we have well, there's so much, so many amazing things that can come. But I have a bone to pick with you because I did not know I was one degree from the queen. How did you meet her? <laughs> um, you know, it's I have it's like this. My life just works this way. It's the darndest thing. Like I was hanging out with Oprah, asking myself the same thing. I'm like, how do you how do you get a one on one with Oprah? You know, I like a lot of people would freak yeah, out. How do about you get this. a one on one with Oprah? <laughs> I know. I, I still ask myself that. Um, with the Queen, I was up in British Columbia for my birthday, and there was just a billion people, maybe that might be hyperbole. There was 10,000 people at the parliament house. And so I was kind of like walking in the street to stay out of the grass and away from the masses. And this, I think it was a Bentley or not a Bentley. Um, Roll, are they Rolls? Yeah, maybe it was a Rolls Royce. Yeah, it was, I remember it was just a cream color, beautiful British luxury vehicle pulled up. And the door opens like right in front of me. And so I have to stop and out comes the queen. And so the queen looks at me like, oh, hi, are you the one I'm supposed to greet? I'm like, ah, wow, I guess I'm here to greet sure. the queen. Yeah. So we start chatting, like we just start talking. And so she takes my arm and, and, and I'm walking her up the aisle to her speech. And then security kind of like, there was like just this blip of, like chaos because nobody really knew what was going on. The queen's here. I, everybody's panicked. And then the security is like, oh, wait, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm Travis. I'm here just walking the queen up to her speech. And they're like, oh, no, it's supposed to be the, like the prime minister <laughs> or something. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so then, prime minister. I can't remember. This was years <laughs> ago. I can't remember who it was, but he's like, I'll take it from here. I'm like, okay, yeah, here you go. Okay, bye. Nice to meet you. She's like, oh, nice to meet you. And so sure enough, I saw her again later and we waved at each other. And, and, and ironically enough, I'd been at her house just like a year before 
And I got a, I was at Buckingham Palace, again, just walking along, minding my business in London, my first day there. And these people just start mad dash into the, in, through the gates into Buckingham Palace. So I just kind of followed the flow. And I met, I met this, this, uh, this girl and she's like, hey, you wanna, you wanna come with me behind the curtain? I'm like, yeah, I wanna go be with you behind, I was like 20. I was like, yeah, I'll go behind the curtain with you. So I go behind the curtain with her and she gives me a private tour of Buckingham Palace. And so when I met the queen, I was like, oh, I've been, I've been to your you know, bedroom door. And you know, we talk, talked about that and stuff, so. Nothing creepy about that. I feel like you were just as close to being knighted as you were, uh, were uh, being arrested by the royal police, but <laughs> hey. <laughs> Okay, that was an unexpected and real and and fun story. Um, and now I can say I am one degree from the Queen, from Oprah and Julia Child. My life has been made. Uh, and so let's go back to entrepreneurship now, because I don't know what else to do with that story, Travis. <laughs> uh, I would love. Let's give some. I we're I love practical things. I like tactical, actionable advice. So, I am curious. Loaded question. What advice do you have to entrepreneurs out there who are trying to? startup, grow, scale, navigate the ups and downs of the market. How can we be successful? Uh, I think turn off the TV. Turning off the TV is, good, is is number one. Don't watch any of the stock market. Don't watch any of the reports. Don't listen to any of the bullocks that's on TV, period. Hydroflask was born and took off during the 08, 09 times. And I didn't have a TV. I didn't listen to anything going on. I put my head down and I made water bottles and I sold water bottles and people bought water bottles and we did really well. And so I think for people to to get freaked out every time they, you know, it's it's just a scare tactic. You turn on the TV, we all know what sells. It's sex and, and horror. And so if you're not watching sex and you're watching horror, you know, you're, you're being sold something and, and typically you're not being sold the truth. And the truth is my recommendation anyway, just put your head down and work because if your competition turns on the TV and gets scared and goes and hides in the corner under a blanket, well then who's going to win the blanket guy or you because you're hustling. So I, I think don't get wrapped up in, in the mainstream uh, doom and gloom. That I mean, that's number one. And, and just have faith and confidence that no matter what, people are going to still buy stuff. They're still going to consume things. They're still going to spend their money. I talked to my tattoo artist. I'm like, how's how's business? And he's like, you know, even though people might not have money to pay rent, they still have money to get an Instagram tattoo. And so he's he's not concerned at all. And that's how I feel. I feel like, hey, people are going to have money to buy your product as long as you have a good product or you have a good service and people are still going to need, um, you know, services, even if they don't have many resources to acquire it. It's also a really good time to get creative and think about other services. We've been we've been doing it this way for 20 years. Good. Today's a new day. Let's do something completely and radically different. Let's think about the opposite way to do the exact same thing. And and those are the going to be the people who who make it and survive. A lot of the big corporations, the big money businesses were all started during recessions and depressions and downturns and stock 
crashes and this is and that's and the others. A lot of it was nefarious and those people are going to be called out and they're going to go to prison, I hope. And I've seen that happen more and more. But the honest, true ones, man, now's the time to do it. Now is the time to get into business. Now is the time to be an entrepreneur. Now is the time to launch products that people need and want and will consume. And again, they may not have any money, but they can still buy what you have as long as it's a good product, honestly given to them for an honest and fair price. Whew, that felt like a soapbox. Well, it was a great soapbox because there's about 12 little nuggets in there I'm going to just pull out and reiterate. First of all, there is a market for every product at every pro price point always. You just have to make sure you're appealing to it. And then second point, having the confidence and the faith and the trust in your product to fulfill that that reality. Yes. Um. It's funny. I've been reading. Uh, there's. I, I'm a Hal Elrod fan, so he's the Miracle Morning, and then he came out with the Miracle Equation, and yeah, it, yeah. it's it's what I would call the new. It's the new version of Think and Grow Rich, right? Unwaver of unwavering faith and extreme effort will get you results, mm -hmm. and that is exactly what all of your soapbox, in my opinion, equals because it means prioritizing the stuff that's going to get you results over TV, except for Ted Lasso, because it is the most hopeful, inspirational time you can spend in front of a boob tube. There you go. <laughs> and season three just premiered, so it's on my mind. However, it, and I, 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 that came to my mind only because you're totally right about the doom and gloom. Um, I'm also another book. I'm a big fan of Eat the Frog, which is a Brian Tracy book. Tra Tracy book. Brian Tracy, Brian Tracy got me to where I am, yeah. Yes. And yeah. literally in that book, it says, don't read the news. It's a waste of time. Yeah. And OK, maybe you need to know if like a hurricane is coming. If you live on the coast, you have to generally people eat. will tell you people, your neighbors will tell you the police will show up. You don't need the TV yeah. for that. Your radio will, will come on. Your phone yeah, will buzz. My husband will tell me. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you have a husband yeah, for. Exactly. Because otherwise it's it is it's kind of like you can overconsume it. It's a waste of time and you can find any perspective and any answer to any question that you want to find. So it's it is now I'm on the soapbox with you. We have a soapbox. I think that, I think we need to have that soapbox episode we were talking about earlier. I um, like it. But we're all we're all come full circle. As you had mentioned, you had mentioned earlier that like getting uncomfortable piece, which I think is what that whole component is about, is like not just doing the easy things or doing the things you've always done, but getting a little uncomfortable trying some things to serve new markets because innovation is huge when the economy is interesting. Right. Well, and that's, yeah, anything that can, you know, a lot of times like hardships will spark creativity also. Like mm -hmm. I don't have this or I long for that. I want life to be easier, even just a little bit in this area. And, and so, well, what makes life easier in that lane? Well, this would work. Oh, okay. Well, then just do that. You know, because chances are, if if do you're it. the if you're feeling that, there's there's five or six other people around you feeling that, and the chances are there's fifty or sixty thousand other people at least that are also feeling that, and. And sometimes that's all you really need. We interviewed uh, Joel Gratz, who's the founder of the Open Snow app, which uh, which aired just recently. And uh, you know we're f we're fan kids of Joel and Open Snow around here because we love to ski, and it's the most accurate ski forecast you can find. 
And he did exactly what you just said. So for all of you who want to like put two and two together out there, his pain point was he couldn't get an accurate ski forecast. And so he'd show up to a mountain and then they'd blow the forecast and he's thinking he's going to get a 10 inch powder day and he gets a one inch powder day. And he had a meteorological background. So he just decided to start Mm. sending a text. It started as a text to 37 people. Hey, here's the forecast you can expect. That grew into a blog, and now it's an app that serves every single major ski resort in America, and he's got hundreds of thousands of downloads. So, And it's all because he found a need he wanted to fulfill himself and found out other people had that same pain point. Is that something? And he had a meteorological background to pull it off and to ask the right questions and ask more questions and more questions still. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you just, you never know where an idea will take you, and I feel like, as a point of inspiration, you all owe it to yourself out there to kind of lean into those ideas and see where they take you. And I would say take inspiration from Travis and that idea of not taking no for an answer and really pushing it as far as you're able. Because if you'd have taken no for an answer, you'd have stayed in the U.S. and been down two mo- mopeds and a longboard. <laughs> that would have sucked. That would have And we wouldn't have had hydro so flask. Yeah. Yeah. And then what and then yeah, and there'd be no hydro flask. So uh let's uh as we kind of like start to wind things down, I feel like there's so many fun conversations we could have, but in the interest of not having a five hour episode of of No More Mondays, uh how does everybody kind of follow along you? Maybe the uh upcoming potential new product, like how do we stay uh up to date on your adventures? How do we find you? I'm I'm kind of hard to find right now. I am on LinkedIn, Travis Rossbach, R-O-S-B-A-C-H on LinkedIn. And um, I have an assistant who goes through and she tries to keep up and I try to keep up with people reaching out through there. But it's also Travis at Tumalo Group or info at TumaloGroup.com, T-U-M-A-L-O-G-R-O-U-P.com. And uh, well, I apologize. Your assistant now has one more request to field because I connected with you on LinkedIn before we started recording. So you can likely find Travis in my network. I also apologize. I will fill up your entire newsfeed. Uh, that is I my job as a that. career coach and resume writer on LinkedIn. Well, she <laughs> needs to earn her keep. So that's good. But I would this. I'm excited to see kind of what's coming. I, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I think it's I'm at the point where it's either going to take off and it's going to be like, oh, my goodness, that's cool. Or it's like, yeah, OK, I tried and no harm, no foul, you know, like. But that's that was my my thought with Hydro Flask is like I have 3000 bottles. I can find 3000 people to buy one. I have friends. I have family. I don't mind knocking on random people's doors, going up and down the streets, hawking, selling water bottles. I can go to the the flea market or the the swap meet and I can I can I can sling 3000 water bottles. And if I sell them for 10 bucks, even better, I've doubled my money. Well, we ended up selling for 20. And it's like, "Oh, even better." Of course, then, you know, finances kick in and you have to go buy more, but yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's I think it's going to be a good thing. I really do. I'm I'm excited to follow along and and see what comes out. And I'm also going to just make an, another point out of what you just said is that like you looked at that worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is I got three I got friend I got three thousand friends who've got a nice new water bottle and I kind of broke even, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. if you look at it that way, uh, big scary, big hairy audacious goals don't seem so big hairy and audacious if you just look at it in a really realistic, you know, 
what could happen, but what could happen kind of way. Yeah, I honestly also kind of wanted to go to the Maldives and go fly twin otters on floats because I was a seaplane pilot for the airlines down in the Caribbean before that. And so I, I was kind of secretly hoping that I'd get through the 3000 and I'd make enough money to go to the Maldives and move over there and, and, and go be a pilot. Um, and it's, it's ironic because as soon like the better and better the business did, the more and more opportunities I had that I had to say no to because I was in the business. But yeah, being a bush pilot up in Alaska would have been would have been good, too. But that's another lifetime. And Hydro Flask had another plan for you. Yeah, yeah. For better or worse. <laughs> as we say goodbye to everybody here listening, let's leave them with one last little piece of inspiration. So Pearl of Wisdom, your kind of golden nugget. We're all about no more Mondays around here. Uh, what's your number one piece of advice on how people out there have a more fulfilling career and life? I think that we need entrepreneurs right now. I think that we need entrepreneurs more than ever. And I think if you really want to have no more Mondays, um, you can fill up your Saturdays and Sundays by becoming an entrepreneur <laughs> the other six days of the week and 24, 22, yeah, 20 hours of those days also can be spent as an entrepreneur. But I, I think that now is the time that, that the, the, the cream will rise to the top and the strong will survive and, and, and the rest will perish. And it's going to be sad. It's going to be sad to watch friends and loved ones that maybe don't make it as well through the coming times, but it's going to be really fun to watch the ones who do make it and who we are reading books about and, and watching on the, on the big screen in five and 10 years. And it's going to be interesting to see what we're consuming in 10 years that doesn't exist today, but tomorrow that somebody's going to launch it and we're going to go, dang, that's dope. Let's do that. So please become an entrepreneur. Just think about what didn't exist 10 years ago that it exists today and take that inspiration yeah. and listen to Travis and go be an entrepreneur. Small business is still another dangerous soapbox. Small business is still the backbone of our economy here in America. And we are where innovation can happen. And I want all of you out there to be the cream that rises to the top. So there you go. Creme de la creme. There you have it. Uh, you can have no more Mondays when you just have seven Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But really, uh, yeah. Unwavering faith, extreme effort. You never know where it will it will take you. So there's also some great little book recommendations in today's episode. But in general, I uh, it is it is so exciting to see somebody who's pushed really pushed that envelope, challenged the nose, and and saw through a concept that you were really convicted by, and how that has now propelled you forward. And now you're going to do it again. How exciting! So this has been an awesome conversation, Travis. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story and sharing some of your wisdom and soapboxes with me. Ah, uh, cheers, Angie. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been fantastic. We always love hearing from people who have joined the No More Mondays movement in their way. And I think that's really important to find what you want out of life and go after it. Don't take no for an answer. And I hope there's some great inspiration for you from this episode and this conversation with Travis Rosbach, founder of Hydroflask and founder of maybe some teaser products coming soon. We love these kinds of stories. Travis, I appreciate you being here. And for all of those of you out there listening, uh, we would love for you to subscribe to No More Mondays. Leave us a five-star rating so we can continue bringing these awesome stories 
your way. And uh, if you want to grab the links Travis mentioned or stay in touch with him as he does potentially bring new products to market, visit us online at nomoremondays.info. And I will see you next week for another edition of No More Mondays podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by CareerBenders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com.